ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to The Sap. As always, it's your boy Dave Neal. This is another solo episode for you guys today, December 14th, 2020. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, if you're a longtime listener or watcher on YouTube, hello. Good to see you. Good to hear you. Um, normally, we've got Tasha Marie, Courtney, my fiance and co-host on the podcast. And then pre-COVID times, it very regularly, you would see other comedians having a beer or a red wine or something of the sorts. But um, times are different this year. You know, we've done some podcasting on the roof, socially distanced. We've done some with just Tasha and myself, and we've done some solo ones. We're just trying to get by, folks. We're just trying to share that good message and get on by. I hope everyone is staying safe. It is crazy times out there with regards to the pandemic. Crazy times. They have... Um, just shut down restaurants again in the Los Angeles area. I don't have too much of a political thought on it other than I'm just glad I don't have my life savings invested in a restaurant. I'm kind of like a nomadic lifestyle kind of guy right now. Everything I own is in this little studio we have here. I do sympathize with those people. I do sympathize with the people that are trying their best to stay afloat and the, and you know, the, uh, the situation keeps changing. Um, yeah, I don't know, guys. I don't know. I mean, it's like this whole year, right? Is and again, again, I know some people check out the podcast and they want to talk about something different, but uh, it's affecting all of us, right? And that's affecting our love lives, our dating lives, our uh, friendships. It's been a lonely year. What I've realized with myself is I think I'm way better at being alone than I thought I would be. I don't know if I could have done this in my single years. It was definitely a great couple months you know, where I was just holed up and, you know, giving myself the excuse to sort of uh, chill out for a minute, if you will. And what I've, uh, you know, the last couple months, I think I've really kicked it back into gear and uh, valued this time for my own creative processes. But boy, do I miss stand-up comedy. You know what I mean? Like I miss interacting with others. I miss the parts on stage, the laughter, the agreement, the crowd work, getting to know people, Bombing, doing well, I miss all of it. But then it's the offstage stuff too. Having a beer with your friends afterwards, saying hi to some people, just that uh, that uh, water cooler, you know, camaraderie that I think most people have in their professional lives. I think most people have this little camaraderie. Like all we search for as humans is just to have a little bit of a plan, right? We just like a little bit of a plan. I get up at this hour, I have my coffee. I go to work. I say hi to the people. I got that one guy I don't really like. I got the other chick I flirt with here and there. It's just a plan. And that's thrown out the window this year. So we try our best. And all we can do is just try to find the normal aspects of our life in an otherwise chaotic world. As some of you guys know, I've spent the last couple months going to this park by, by me. There's this little park I run to. They have chin-up bars, dip bars. There's a little sand pit. You do some plank workouts. You get some grass on you. It's really interesting um, how much I value this little recess part of my day. I probably only go two or three times a week. But when I want to go, I crave going. I crave going to this park. I don't talk to anyone there. You know, you people watch, whatever you, you, you wave. But uh, for the most part, you just keep your distance and get your workout in. I don't know. It's very interesting. Or it's not at all. I don't know. But it's, you know, what's interesting is just the will of humanity to just keep on moving. But one thing that we've all noticed with the pandemic is that it has exposed other issues we may, we may have. You know, like domestic violence has gone up because of the pandemic. Alcoholism, of course, drug use, depression. You know, it's, it's really been a litmus test for where we are at life. So many people thought they were on the right path because they had health insurance at their work. They get fired. They find out they've got nothing. Where's the equity in ourselves? That's the question we have. Where is the equity in ourselves? Where is the investment in what we have to offer? And sometimes a corporate job or, you know, I've been known to bash a corporate job from time and again here. Sometimes a corporate job will give you that security, that health insurance, that retirement fund, but it'll also provide equity for whatever it is you're learning how to do, whether it be a skill or whatnot. So it's all about just finding ways to improve on who we are as humans and have a worthwhile skill going into this new world we live in. You know, part of the, the worthwhile skill for what I do with, with acting and, and all that is being able to record auditions from home. 
this isn't going to be going away in my industry. They figured out, look, everyone auditioned from home. If you get a callback, maybe we'll meet you in person. But that these preliminary auditions, which is just job interviews, it's all going to be done from home. I did an audition last week that I did not care about. Um, and I, I don't usually talk about these auditions because it's kind of douchey. Maybe not douchey, but it's kind of just like, who cares? You know what I mean? Uh, but this is this is it. This is all I got for pay. Side, it used to be you'd, you'd take these side jobs to stay afloat. You know, hospitality, restaurants, that's all gone. So I was fired from my side job in March. And it was one of those, you know, I've always preached the term leap and the net will appear. Well, boy, did they push me off that ledge and the net appeared. By all means, I've been able to survive even in a pandemic with, you know, of course, different forms of assistance. But I've been able to survive without that dreaded side gig that took up roughly 40 hours of my week. I'm busy enough without that side gig now that I wondered what the hell was I doing with my time? Investing all of my time and energy and all all I was was an hourly employee who worked for tips. That's it. I was an employee who worked for tips. If it rained that day, I might not have made tips. Go to work, not make much money. Minimum wage? Sure. But what the heck is a minimum wage anyway? No one can survive off of it. Anyway, I digress. The point is, is that I've invested so much more time into things that are passionate in my life and had to find a way to readjust. Had to find a way. I bought this stupid um, uh, uh, cord. It's not stupid. It's very great. That connects my nice mirrorless Sony camera to my laptop. So now I can do live streams. This episode, I am recording as a pre-recorded live stream, which means it'll go to my YouTube, but it won't, you know, there's, when I record a live stream, there's comments and this and that, it can be kind of distracting. This is a one-on-none conversation. This is just me talking to you. And then afterwards, people can watch it. Um, but the, yes, this cord, it cost me about 105 bucks, called a cam link, like a 4K cord. And it's a hundred bucks and it connects the, nice camera to my laptop, which helps me broadcast to the world. When the pandemic started, I got the Rodecaster Pro. It's a $700 piece of equipment, but it helps me broadcast to the world. And you guys in the Patreon have helped me afford that by continuing to donate and pledge monthly support and this and that. And I thank you guys so much. What I've learned that I needed, and I I suppose a lot of people are in this position, is what I've needed is encouragement and knowing that I can do it. So much self-doubt exists that we go, oh, uh, when, uh, when I pay off my uh, this or that, or when I uh, get that cavity filled, then I can take a break from this. Or, you know, you know, with my relationship, we went a few years dating before we went on like a nice proper vacation together. I just grew up with this rat race in my family where like vacationing wasn't the thing. It was like, you know, my parents, small business owners, you just didn't get away. And... I just have this mentality of work, 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 and working hard and working smart are just two different things, folks. You got to know the difference. Sometimes working hard is working smart, but sometimes working hard is just you're telling your mind that you're putting in the hours, you're doing this, you're sweat equity, but you're really not getting closer to your goals. And that's just a hamster thinking he's going for a nice outdoor jog, but he's on the wheel. And that's all, that's all it really felt like it was to me. You know, what percentage of my life was wasted? And I don't look back at it in, in, with remorse. Oh, I wasted all this time, but, but I probably did. And now it's about moving forward and going, how can I be the most productive version of what I want to do? I got offered a job the other, the other week, last week. It was stupid. It was a stupid job. It paid 50 bucks for three hours. And it was to be on some court TV thing. Now, look. 50 bucks is 50 bucks. Like, you know, who's to say I would, you know, you, you, I would have made 50 bucks. You know, I could have probably shot it from my home without wearing pants and be done with it. But then I was like, you know what? Those three hours could be spent doing something a little bit more productive, investing in myself and investing in my YouTube. And, you know, and, and the more you invest in yourself, the more you've got a product that, you're, that, that might be something somebody else wants to pay for. And, and again, that's something that like um, with the whole law of divine compensation, you know, the Marianne Williamson book, just feeling like my time is worth it. With stand-up comedy, it's so oversaturated that I think it's easier to feel like an intern rather than an expert. I've done this for almost 10 years. I've podcasted for six or seven years now. 
I've uh, done improv and other forms of comedy and acting for, for, for 15 years now. And in my core and in my mind, I still feel like I'm an intern and that shouldn't be the case. You should feel like you're working towards becoming an expert. Like if I, if I worked at like some sort of random corporate job, I'd be a junior vice president or something of the sorts. You know, they're very good at having the, you know, militarized structure. So you feel like you're progressing in life. But with what I do now, it's like until I'm saving 80% of my, my, I say salary in quotes, until I'm saving 80% of my income, Am I real? Have I really made it? And you know, the first, the first, um, paycheck I ever got, I'm trying to think, you know, you make 20 bucks in beer cash here or five bucks there, or, uh, one, one weekend when I was opening on the road, I made $900 or $1,200. And th that was really cool because I was, uh, I was basically making more money because I was opening for a bigger name. And then you go back and then you go like two steps forward, one step backwards. And then you're back at a, um, you know, at a bar uh, you know, you know, uh, paying money to go on stage. There's plenty of places in Los Angeles. You pay $5 to go perform five minutes. And that's, you know, that's just how the business model works to keep some of these places open. They don't charge drinks. They just say, Hey, we all show up for an hour. We all pay five bucks. We all get our stage time. We all get to work on something. Then we leave. And then that becomes the hamster wheel going, well, I put in my five minutes today. And then you wonder like, how do you, you living in Los Angeles, and I'm sure this is the same for a lot of major cities. How do you feel like a big dog when there are so many people farther along also struggling? And that's it. It's like having this delusional sense of um, confidence in a world where there's a lot of confident, talented people all fighting for that same stage time. So you've got stand-up comedy, uh, po even podcasting. It's It's so easy to start a podcast that there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of podcasts. What makes somebody choose to listen to mine over somebody else's? It's not uh, because I've got a blue check mark on my uh, channel. It's not because I'm famous and you saw me on TV. It's, it's not for any reason other than maybe we connect, maybe we don't. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm your third choice and you listen to five podcasts and then the pandemic hits and now you only listen to the top two, you know? So you lose some followers there. And the point is, is how do you keep juking and jiving to stay in the right path to your own goals and success. And that's a struggle I've had to contemplate when it comes to saying, all right, I, I see these idiots, right? I say idiots, but there's these, there's people with new, um, new luck when they get into industry. They don't know the limitations yet. They don't know how hard it is. And sometimes by having that fool's ignorance they're able to pass a lot of the BS because they don't prescribe or is it subscribe to the um, bullshittery that is that is whatever the whatever the gatekeepers say it is. So it's about for me, like, how do I get back to this place where I'm just doing what I want to do and not worrying about the comedy club bookers, the people that produce the show, even the audience. Just do what you want to do. I think of all that while I'm in a year, 2020, where I'm not allowed to perform. I'm not allowed to get on stage. You know, I've been invited to do some of these Zoom shows, these online shows, and look, maybe I'm the old person who's just like, oh, the internet's not gonna be a thing, but I just don't feel the joy when it comes to thinking about performing on a internet thing. I don't see it that way, that isn't my medium. I like to be there in person. I like to smell the room. You know what I mean? So I, I ponder all these questions about taking off and getting going. But at the same time, we're in a world where that's not quite possible. So then I think, well, when it is time to get going, what can I do to have my laces tied tight and have my cardio at a peak? And I'm just ready like a bat out of hell to take on all of the successes I want out of the world. And I talk about this with you guys just quite openly because I hope it relates in some way to whatever passions you guys have in life. I hope the ideas of just like self-actualizing, not accepting limitations and just pursuing all in the face where everyone tells you just, you know, it's not your time. Family's the worst at helping with self-actualizing, I believe, because like my mom's like, Dave, if you have a problem, you should just move home. And it's like, no, it's about solving the issue of living where I am and not having the normal means to uh, providing an income, but knowing that it's a market opportunity 
I mean, that's what it really is, is a market opportunity for new ideas, new thoughts, new challenges. You know, for several years, for several years, I've tried relatively um, half-assed at getting my YouTube going. I say half-assed because um, I wasn't, uh, you know, making thumbnails and, and smart um, search engine optimization of the titles and this and that. And over this last year, what I committed to before the pandemic even, ha even happened was to become a professional at getting my point across, to learning the Premiere editing software and even Photoshop and getting myself in a fighting shot to get views from people online. That was the goal. Not, don't just accept me for like, oh, he's a fun guy, you know, like, like you would a friend, you'd, you'd vouch for your friend. But it's in a sea of people, how can I stand out as me when me isn't some crazy juggling, just insane act? It's just whatever you want me, whatever I am to you, I'm just a friend, right? I'm just, I'm just like your friend that's talking about his struggles along the way and ready to listen to yours. So anyway, I started working on that and that's the growth mindset. That's the, you know, learning new things that you didn't previously think you could do. For me, it, it became, you know, about buying a really expensive, nice computer. It's always about, you know, I don't mean to be a gear junkie about it, but you need a fighting shot with good quality technology, audio, video, a blazing fast computer so I can edit projects and shoot them and this and that. And the more, the more I invested in myself and have built up the equity in myself, the, the more that I have received. The Patreon alone pays for all my tech stuff. I'm getting a phone call here. Hold on. Tasha's calling me, guys. Let's see what she's saying. Don't usually take calls here. Hey, how are you, honey? Hold on. Can you hear me? Yes, you're on the air. I'm podcasting right now. Oh, you are? Yeah, and I'm not going to edit you out, so it better be good news. No, I, I have about 40 minutes. I can stop, but it's going to add about 20 minutes of post-production if I stop. Do you have anything you need to tell me that you want me to say, you want to tell me off air? Uh, no, I was just, I am done a I would go to Starbucks and get an eggnog latte. I went to Starbucks and got a hot green tea because my fitting was outside and I still don't have feeling in my hands. So I figured I could get the hottest item on the menu and that was what I needed. Well, come on home then if you want to come home. I know there's not much else to do in this yeah. shutdown city. I think I've got, I've got some work to do on my iPad. Woo! No, I'm sure. I'm sure the audience loves. Anyway. Okay, so you're coming home. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll see you in a little bit then. All right. Drive okay. safe. Thank you. Bye. Love you. Bye. All right, there was that. Yeah, that's it, guys. Real life, real life. Tasha, she's a trooper. I tell you what, she's got all these different clients. She's running around during the pandemic, trying to make you know she 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 didn't qualify for the uh, unemployment because she's a she's a, a self um, she's a freelancer, so she didn't you know she didn't require for the traditional unemployment, which is one of the biggest problems with at least my whole city in Los Angeles is everyone's been put on these freelancer lifestyles, thinking that it's like the flexible income that you want, but it takes away all. All sort of, uh, you know, it, it comes with so many different issues. But anyway, folks, so Tasha's on her way home. I told you we were busy. We're all over the place today. But um, yeah, so my point being is that the investment that I've made in myself and even in, in deciding with the help of other comedian friends like my buddy Jonesy, by deciding to get the podcast monetized on Patreon, which of course is a private membership community of, of people who want to donate, patreon.com slash the sap. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. You know, and it's we've got about 25 people, but I tell you, it adds up because it's monthly. The money really adds up. It's bought us a lot of this nice equipment, which helps uh, keep the show running this and that. So we do appreciate all the people over at Patreon. And of course, everyone else who has donated too um, f through Venmo and all the other ways. You guys have been amazing. Did I tell you guys about the lady who sent me a uh, pepperoni pizza? 
She sent me a, her name's Susan. She sent me a pepperoni pizza. She lives in Washington, D.C., or at least I think she's on the East Coast. And she had told me through a Facebook, through a YouTube live stream that she used to send her son pizza to surprise him. You know, it's just like a nice, uh, loving gesture. And I was like, oh, that's the coolest thing in the world. And she said, well, I'll send you pizza. So she asked me what my favorite pizza place was near me. And I told her, and then she uh, had it delivered to me. And I mean, come on, does it take much more, um, sort of uh, motivation and then that kind of positivity in your life to just want to be the best you can be, you know? So to all my surrogate moms out there sending pizza to people, you guys have really, you're really helping fuel, um, you know, a lot of faith in, in, in goodness in humanity. And we appreciate it so much. So as I was saying, and I know I've been jumping all over the place, uh, that, that, um, part of the, uh, overcoming of limitations is just, knowing and having the confidence that you can do what other people are doing and not in a bitter way where um, comparison, you know, where you're comparing yourself to others. So it's like, stay in your own lane, know that you can do something and know that we've all got the bandwidth to accomplish that. And, and I guess the hard part is to not get discouraged along the way. So part of what I, I would say, I guess my talent is, is just sharing my opinion online <laughs> because I, it's, you know, I don't, it's, 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 it's probably more nuanced than anything, but I like to rant and rave and that's kind of part of my standup. And it's what I've been doing on YouTube since, um, I haven't been able to perform as it were on stage. So, uh, I've been doing these new live streams with the, um, with the investment in this technology that I've purchased and, it's really been a new form of income for me. Um, as you guys know, over the summer, I had one video that really took off. It made a lot of money. I mean, it made like three thirty-five hundred dollars to $4,000, $4, which is a lot for, for a guy who only had a couple thousand YouTube subscribers. And now I'm at 7,000. And on Friday, I made a video and it made a hundred bucks. And it only took me half an hour to make that video. And sometimes it takes a lot longer than that. But sometimes it's amazing when you make when you make something, when it does reach the internet, whether it be um, an Indiegogo or uh, you know, you're selling something on Etsy or if it's just Google AdSense or merchandise sales, whatever it is, once you get to the internet and you get the force behind you with all the potential people that will watch, I mean, it is a gigantic um, amount uh, of uh, momentum that you can get behind you. So part of what I've just been kind of thinking out loud and saying with you guys is that we need to get to a place. And I say, we, you guys, along with me, where, where, whatever it is that our talent is that we're getting it into as many homes as possible, that we've got a big enough reach where that talent pays the bills and we're not reliant on doing things that do not serve our greater loving energy. And, and what I'm, what I mean by that is the 40 hour week side job, if it's just atrophying you, if it's just tearing away your soul, it's not worth it for you. Now, everyone needs to put in their their time. Everyone needs to work some, you know, bad side job to to show yourself how good you have it. That's all important. But um, the idea that like you need to do that and suffer is sort of a fallacy. You don't need to suffer. Everything we do along the journey should be part of the growth. You know, I pity people when I look at someone like Lori Laughlin's kid. What's her name? Lori Laughlin's kid. Lori Laughlin. Her 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 daughter is the one. I'm searching it right now. Lori L. Lori Laughlin. Her daughter is the one who um, you know, had that college scandal and a college admission scandal, and apparently had no idea that her parents were paying money and 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 bribing people to get her into school. Here's the article. Lori Laughlin's daughter, Olivia Jade, breaks silence on college admission scandal on Red Table Talk. She's an influencer daughter of Lori Laughlin and Massimo Giannulli, um, who's that guy. I think he sells his clothes at Target. Um, she's 21-year-old, and um, she said, I've watched the show, and I think you guys are all amazing. It feels really safe talking about the show she was going to be on, but it also feels honest, and it feels like we're going to all lay it out here, and it's going to be like an open conversation. Um, so anyway... Um, her parents paid $500,000 to get her and I believe her sister into the University of South Carolina as crew recruits, despite neither girl having played the sport. It's pretty crazy. It makes you wonder how much her daughter knew. Anyway, her daughter broke the silence and she's talking about the experience. And 
it's got to be tough to be raised with such privilege to have celebrity parents. She's um she was a viral like YouTuber, so she was probably making pretty crazy money. And she wasn't working some crazy side job to get into college and appreciating every moment. She didn't have to serve in the military like so many people have to do to be able to afford to go to college. She was just born into the perfect lot. Beautiful, young, and it was the it, this this story is what news the news media loves because they love to rip down somebody who was just given it all. And you can't blame the news media for that. We all love to watch a good train wreck. But it's interesting because as a soul, and this is where we search for empathy, as a soul, Olivia Jade did nothing to deserve any of this, you know? Sure, she never struggled and she'll never know what it's like to struggle to put food on the table and really worry. Like I've had those friends growing up or friends even in the acting community who will never really know what it's like to wonder where that next paycheck's coming. And I don't wish that feeling on anybody, but boy, does it build character. Boy, does it build character to like come up uh, in your career path through, through some blue collar hustle. And, you know, while she is worth a lot more money than I am, she'll never understand that feeling of joy that I felt when one of my videos started to take off. I don't think she'll understand what that is because I think for her, and again, I shouldn't speak for someone I don't know, but for a 21-year-old famous YouTuber with um, uh, with uh, celebrity parents and has it all, you know, had a, probably an iPhone 8 out of the womb, I don't think she'll understand what it's like. And I don't mean that in sort of jest or envy of her. I mean that in like, I love the journey of where I've been at. I love that I've gotten to know dozens of commenters who comment on my YouTube because my YouTube's not so big. I don't you know, I value all of them. And with stand-up comedy, valuing your audience is so important because without them, you don't have anything. And that's what 2020 has taught me, is that without an audience, without uh, people there, it's like, it's, like, why, it's like if you're a clown in a circus, but no one's there to laugh at you, what are you clowning around for? We need the audience, whether it's um, you know, in person at a stand-up comedy show or commenters and people that watch the video. It is, th th there is nothing to the art form without people, you know, it's like, it's like, what good is an echo if you have nothing to bounce it off of? So I thank everyone who I've been able to just bounce my thoughts off of and for sticking around. I appreciate you guys so much. And I hope, I hope that in some way my own struggle with like my own limitations and overcoming, you know, a lot of false... Uh, realities and jealousy and bitterness. I hope in 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 trying to shed all that, I'm able to show you guys that there is so much to life and so much so many rewards out there when we stick our neck out and put our art, our creativeness out on the line. You know, the second I I started getting negative comments on YouTube, while it does piss me off, it means that people are watching that disagree, which means people are watching. And it's good to have, it's good to have that on the internet. It's good. It's good that people will take up an objection to or support an opinion that I have. Anyway, so yeah. So it's just been it's been a fun year. It's been a fun year, and and, and I say that with with such humility to all the struggle people have had out there. I really do. There's been so much struggle out there. So many people, so many people that I know that are just having a rough time and, and I, and I hear you and I, 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 if there's any way I can help, I'd love to. But, um, at the same time, we are going to look back on this year as, as a year where we were torn in so many directions, bobbing and weaving through this storm of a pandemic just to survive And how many skill sets, how, how many things are we going to find out about ourselves that we didn't know was possible? I mean, boy, were we living in a cushy time before this happened. So one of the things that I've been talking about with my uh, YouTube is, you know, everything that's Bachelor and Bachelorette related. My, go my goal with YouTube is, is, is twofold. Make content I love and make content people want to see. And if you can do a little bit of both, you can attract people who, want, who, who come for your content that they want to see, and then they might find the content that you love. Does that make any sense? So... This whole month, I've been participating in Vlogmas, which is a vlog a day, which is a highly edited YouTube video made every single day of, 
uh, Christmas-related uh, lifestyle things. So today being December 14th, I've made from De- I've made two straight weeks of videos ranging from eight minutes to 15 minutes long about my life. And um, it's been such a challenge. Uh, virtually nobody's watching. They're getting two to 300 views. Um, the watch time is extremely high. The people that are watching are watching more of that content than any other content I've ever made. Um, the comments are really high for the percentage of people watching. But the point is, is that YouTube is just not promoting it. If you don't know to go to my channel, you're not going to know that I'm making this content, which is fine. That's just where it's at. Someday YouTube will start promoting it and somebody can find this whole backlog of content. It's already monetized, which means maybe someday down the road, it'll make money. But what people are coming to see is my thoughts and opinions on Bachelor Nation. Bachelor Nation, of course, the TV show is a dating reality show. And I think my thoughts are being pushed on Bachelor Nation because I don't think as many men are talking about it. So what we have is a niche opportunity. It's a, I am in the minority of people that probably watch The Bachelor and I can, and I didn't think this was true till I looked at the analytics. About 90, about 90% of the people who watch my recaps are women. So clearly they want a guy's perspective on the matter. And it's just my normal perspective, but as a guy, that's what it is. So I give my perspective on different things. This week we had a the the bachelorette whose name's Tasha if you don't follow along she's a um, mixed ethnicity um, a lovely lady from Orange County I believe she's uh, uh, her parents were black and Mexican um, not necessarily important for the discussion but I say it because ABC that's like their their big th- you know they're promoting diversity on the show which is great it's been amazing to get all these different uh, diverse characters Matt James is going to be the first uh, black bachelor. Uh, starting in a few weeks, which is all all good. Um, Tasha had mentioned in her show how she has an ex, and they broke up because he cheated on her. Now I don't want to get into all the backstory of it, but basically he cheated on her, and ABC kind of made that one of the storylines. Like she's that's kind of her sob story is what is what they had it made out to be that she was cheated on. She she's the first bachelorette that's already been married before, and this and that. Well, the ex, his name is Josh Borrell. He. Uh, you know, for two years of Tasha being in the limelight, kind of let her tell her story. And he was sick and tired of, of, um, you know, his name be, becoming associated with her. So when he's Googled for his, for his, I think, construction job, what you see is that he is the ex who cheated on, um, on Tasha, uh, which is something that, you know, uh, he, he did. So it's, it's something he needs to live with. Uh, but I think, you know, the pendulum does swing, and um, with the Bachelor audience, they really are, out, you know, they, they're a pretty engaged group, uh, which, which uh, you know, I can attest to because they're, they're the primary uh, reason my YouTube channel has made any money. Uh, so I gave my opinion on, on uh, Josh going out and defending himself on a podcast. He went out to defend himself and said, look, I cheated, but uh, the relationship wasn't good. He said he's cheated out of spite, which is... a beyond a red flag. So he's in the wrong. He committed a cardinal sin. I wanted to make it very clear that cheating's wrong and you should expect your relationship to end when you cheat. Maybe it wouldn't. You know what I mean? Maybe um, maybe you overcome it and you find out who you were and, and things are for the better. But in a lot of cases, you might you know still play the victim and think that you cheated because they made you cheat or they pushed you to it. Whenever you're in a situation where you don't think you're in the wrong, how can you grow from that? How can you grow from that? So it got us to talking about the different types of of cheating. And then we started talking about emotional cheating, you know, which is interesting because it might not be the type of cheating where you, you know, emotional cheating. Okay. So it used to be like cheating was a very specific, did you have sex? Did you not have sex? Okay. Obviously that's cheating, but in what other ways are you crossing the line? I should say. So I found this article um, called nine types of non-physical cheating that are still cheating. And um, it says, uh, today, cheating has been reclassified, and it includes not only a physical affair, but an emotional affair. It may start out as a platonic, friendly feeling towards another person and veer off onto an inappropriate path. These types of affairs are increasingly common. According to this, statistics around 45% of men and 35% of women have admitted having some sort of emotional affair. Um it's hard to define an emotional affair. So we made a list of 10 facts that might be a sign of emotional infidelity. And this is from the good people at brightside.me. So let's just take a look at this. 
some different types of emotional cheating. Let's see if we've committed any of this. And they say 35, 45%, but I, I mean, I, I'm sure it's close to 100%. I'm sure it's close to 100% of times that we've, you know, crossed the line in ways where we've just been like, oh yeah, that's, you know, I'm DMing this person when I probably shouldn't have been. If it's not something you want to share in public, does that constitute cheating, this and that? Um, now it says, remember that while attraction is not a choice, cheating is definitely a choice. And this is what Josh needed to remember. It's like, look, you decided to cheat on somebody. You decided to cheat on somebody that you had committed your life to. Why didn't you just break up? You know, the second you knew you were going to cheat on your wife, why didn't you just break up? You know, but either way, it's of course what led to a divorce. So maybe, maybe his subconscious knew that that was the decision he was going to make. So the first type of cheating, um, Let's see where the number one is. You're too close to your opposite sex friend. That sounds pretty obvious, but if you have a friend of the opposite sex, you're too close. You'll know what that means. You're at work, you walk by him, you touch their lower back, you're something like that. You know, you know, I think it's pretty clear if you know you're too close to your opposite sex friend. You flirt online and offline. I, I'm probably guilty of flirting, right? I mean, aren't, aren't we all? I guess, I guess it's how do you define flirting? I think my fiance and I both agree that flirting can be healthy um, when it's done in a way that's not like pushing the lines. Do you know, does that make any sense? It's such a quick, a tight innuendo where it's like, sometimes you don't even know you're flirting if you're just re like having a good conversation with somebody. Virtual relationships with many different people at once are much easier to sustain than one in real life. Therefore, virtual polygamy may possibly coexist within the context of an offline mon mono monogamy. It's happening because the internet is an easy place for emotional involvement between strangers. In many ways, the internet facilitates the same type of relationship building opportunities we have in real life. Nevertheless, anonymous online flirting as well as offline flirting is still an affair. The good news is that you can use any social media messengers and more to strengthen the existing relationships with your partner and to reduce emotional distance. Healthy internet use between partners builds bridges instead of boundaries and it facilitates online socializing as a couple. It can be a healthy mode of supplementary communication. Yeah, like I've got friends that like Tasha and I are mutual friends with. And if if they post like a bikini photo, I probably wouldn't like it. You know what I mean? Because I wouldn't want it to be like, oh, Dave liked this photo. You know, it's like, well, I'll still look at it, but like I don't outwardly need to, you know, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? And and it's not too often that I would take a conversation into the private with someone who's like a casual friend. If it's a close friend, sure. Like we have kind of, we have like a pretty defined social circle. I talk all the time in private with people who listen to the podcast and we converse and this and that. But I think you know the difference when it's someone who's, you're having a private conversation with. It's kind of like that, that feels like the champagne room, you know? Um... Number three, you're having an affair with your phone. Most of us wake up and check our phones before we even say good morning to the person sleeping next to us. Yep, guilty of that. This kind of being far away while still being close may be quite dangerous because it makes us think we're close to someone when in fact we may not be. According to a new survey, four in 10 millennials consider their cell phone more helpful than their significant other. The creepiest statistic exemplifies an issue of nowadays reality. Instead of talking to your partner, friend, or family member, people are diving into a virtual reality with funny cats and mean tweets. Oh, this is so true. And you know, with Tasha and I, what we've had to learn is that we we are okay with being on our devices, but know that that's not quality time. That does not count towards quality time in our relationship. We have device-free time. Sometimes we need to get on our devices, and sometimes we get addicted to them. Last night, we were watching a movie. It was so good. It was called The Prom that Tasha got on her phone to tweet how good the movie was. And the next thing you know, she's on IMDb looking at the cast. And then all of a sudden, she's not even watching the movie that, that was so good. That's not a problem with her. That's a problem with managing social media. Uh, number four, this is interesting. You complain about your partner to someone else. I thought you were supposed to complain about your partner to other people. Wasn't that the job? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? You're obviously going to talk about your relationship with your friends or family, and that's fine. What's not fine is constantly complaining about your partner on a daily basis. You may believe that you complain to try and, f and deal with your relationship, but you actually haven't worked together to address and fix those issues. Moreover, you end up creating even more space between the two of you. This type of approach can be devastating to the other person when they realize you've been secretly upset with them. Imagine if you heard your partner discussing your behavior or your habits behind your back with his friends. We suppose you'd feel like you've been betrayed. If you want to break free from negative and deconstructive parts of your relationship, never be mad at your partner for something they don't know they're doing. Interesting. Say that again. Never be mad at your partner for doing something they don't know they're doing. Very interesting. I kind of am guilty of that where I'll, I'll be less confrontational and I'll just kind of like get over it on my own time, which sometimes it's, 
I think that's good. You know, it's like, it's one thing if someone like morally crosses the line and it's another, if they're just annoying you and you need to get out. I mean, so many problems during this pandemic have been happening because people have spent more time together, which doesn't mean, it doesn't mean your relationship's not doing well. It just means you need to actively find that quiet time, actively get apart. I mean, I love it when Tasha's back to work full time and I love it. It doesn't mean I don't love her. It means I need that alone time to do my own thing so that I can be better when I'm with her. When you're together all the time, it takes that quality time and it just like dilutes it and it's just a bunch of nonsense. Are you here, Tasha? Hey, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm still jamming for another uh, 15 minutes. Um, if you need someone, especially a stranger, to fill whatever void you have in your primary relationship, you are entering the territory of emotional infidelity. And that could be the most painful form of cheating on your partner. I'm sharing the different... Do you want to say hi real quick? Here, sure. just, just, just pop in. I'm, uh, is it video two? It's video two. Tasha's, Tasha's in here. I'm talking about the different types of emotional cheating. And um, what would you define as the like primary emotional cheating? I think allowing yourself to develop a connection that's deeper than just a friendly connection. Tasha, you're, this is a microphone, and she just walked away explaining herself. <laughs> Do you think we got a boom operator that just follows you into the other room? Hello. <laughs> oh, this is why I podcast long. Come back in here. Just walk away. I know, but all right. She had a forty-pound bag on her shoulder. Yeah, but you're, I'm just saying. I'm I'm listening in the headset to people wondering what did she say as she just walked away. If you want to break free from negative and deconstructive parts of your relationship, never be mad at your partner for something they don't know they're doing. Do you like that one, Tasha? Never be mad at your partner for doing something they don't know they're doing. And number five, you cross the line with strangers. Emotional infidelity is as dangerous as adultery because it's intense but invisible. Of course, you may love your partner, but when some of your small actions cross the line of infidelity, you're at risk of losing someone important in your life. Taking a solo trip on the very messy territory can cause you to do things you wouldn't normally do, like cheat. For example, you meet a guy at a bar and he flirts with you, flatters you, and gives you something you're not getting in your primary relationship. That must be a warning sign that something's not going well between you and your partner. That's interesting. So if, if you meet someone randomly and they, they bring out something in you that your partner's not bringing out, it's probably a good idea to communicate with your partner like like ways that they can fill that void for you. And it shouldn't be a codependent thing where your partner needs to fill all these voids for you. This is what's the hard part. Like um, when it comes to like impressing, like like take Tasha, for example, like uh, I've told this story before, but it's like we had, we, we had this uh, conversation with a mutual friend and he was a DJ and he was like giving Tasha his number and he was like using all of his cool stories. And I was like, hey, buddy, I burnt through those cool stories in the last six years. I got nothing. Like it's hard to impress your person over time, but, but a new bright, shiny ball can. And that's okay. Like it's, it's, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't try to like be everything that you're not. You just know, like, you know, uh, you can't, you can't offer the charm and pizzazz that a new person can. It's like our dog. He loves getting his belly scratched from new people. I can't scratch his belly as good as the mailman could because he's a new person. Oh, a new scratch from a new person. It's like an extra 10% of energy. So it's like, don't hate your partner for not being able to give you that lust and joy from that first encounter you get with a new person. That's just something you can't recreate with your partner. If you need someone, especially a stranger, to fill whatever void you have in your primary relationship, you're entering the territory of emotional infidelity, and that can be the most painful form of cheating for your partner. I will agree. I think I think that is a big one because it's like, well, why did you have to go meet that person? I couldn't do that for you. You know what I mean? Um, number six, you have a secret friend. Regular friendships tend to be pretty open, and having your partner stumble across a text thread from your BFF is unlikely to arouse any suspicions. It's not fair or realistic to expect your spouse to fill every need. With this in mind, meeting a friend for a drink to hang out for a while is totally fine. But there's one little problem. If you're going out of your way to cover up everything you do, then it doesn't really take a rocket scientist to figure out that you feel at least a little bit guilty about an impulse to hide your friendship with your partner. Interesting. Yeah, if you're covering up your tracks, you're in the wrong. That's it. Maybe you feel that your special friend may threaten your relationship and don't want to admit this fact. If you're so wholly relying on one person for emotional support and that person is not in a loving relationship with you, you're setting yourself up for some trouble with your partner. And the only way out for you is to admit it to yourself and figure out why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah, this is probably pretty common in relationships where like people you know, are always looking to fill the void with something that the relationship can't. You know, you hear about this all the time where like some guy goes out to some truck stop to meet new people or this or that. And it's like people that don't 
communicate what they want out of their life. Uh, Tasha, what are you looking at? I dropped the mistletoe. Yeah, I've been doing I've been doing production. Tasha's looking at the mistletoe. I haven't vacuumed it up yet. This is why when I hear Tasha's coming home in the middle of the day and I'm not ready for her, bless you, and I'm not ready for Tasha to come home, there's mistletoe on the ground. I've already recorded two different auditions. I memorized uh, copy for um, overstock.com. Oh my gosh, I, I Tasha, I had, to, I, had to re, I had to reshoot this audition. So I was trying to memorize copy and I was in such a rush. I wrote it in Sharpie and, 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 and uh, taped it to the shower curtain while I took a shower. <laughs> yeah, I memorized it. It was a really good idea is memorizing copy in the shower. At overstock.com, you know, whatever. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, but, but anyway, I digress. Sorry, it was hard to pay attention when Tasha's inspecting the mistletoe. <laughs> uh, that that um, when, you're, when you're looking for, uh, for uh, love, affection, attention from somebody that's not your partner, I think, I think it's okay to a degree. All of these things are okay to a degree. It's just about knowing when you've crossed the line. That's, that's really what it comes down to is knowing like, look, I'm lying to myself right now. I'm deleting text threads. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to the place that I'm actually going to. That's when that's when it becomes you're doing that because you don't want to face whatever consequences are. Uh, number seven, you dream of other lovers. One of the fatal flaws of our culture is that we take everything at face value. We want to believe that every nighttime dream is a direct reflection of reality. So when you have a dream when you're having sex with someone other than your partner, our first response is to panic and think, oh, no, this must mean I don't really love my partner. Keep calm and relax. It's completely okay to occasionally have some little fantasies about Jason Mo- Momoa's six-pack abs or uh, Irina Shake's body. Did I pronounce that right? Shake? Uh, but if you are, shake it. Shake that ass. Show me what you're working with. But if you're consistently dreaming or imagining a sexual partner other than your spouse, this could be leading to an emotional or even sexual affair due to disconnecting from your spouse. The only way to control it is to openly talk to your spouse about your sexual fantasies and what, what your fantasy and what you like and what you don't like in bed and have them share the same with you. So much of this comes down to communication. We're like afraid. We're like, like I got a buddy. It's a true story. I got a buddy who loves to go down on his, on ladies. He just loves it. And I think, and I'm, I think most ladies are like, geez, what's the problem there? Well, his partner doesn't like when he goes down on her. So here he is, you know, maybe his love language is gift giving or quality time, whichever one it is. But here he is and loves doing this and he hasn't properly communicated to her, you know, why he loves it or this or that. And maybe she's afraid of him going down on her because of her own sort of repressed communication. And maybe she would like it, but she's nervous, whatever. We don't, I don't really know. I didn't get too that far in depth. Uh, I know he wants to get in depth. Uh, <laughs> tongue it. Uh, but the point is, is that um, with, with the lack of proper communication, they might have a very loving thing there that they like to do. What are you saying? Oh, she's on the phone. Are you talking to somebody or are you talking to me? Wow. I'm recording an audio program over here. Oh man, she shows up and she gets on the phone. This is it, folks. This is a 500 square foot apartment. Um, the only way to control it is to openly talk to your spouse about your sexual fantasies. We just said that. Um, here's a good one. You lie about your finances. Uh, they say a relationship without trust is like a car without gas. You can stay in it as long as you want, but it won't go anywhere. Well, that's a good one. According to the results of, results of a poll that surveyed some 23,000 online users, more than 60% of both men and women consider uh, financial infidelity to be just as heinous as a physical affair. What's more, one-third of respondents felt that financial infidelity could lead to sexual infidelity. The immediate problem with financial as other li- uh, as any other lying is that trust is lost when that happens. The relationship becomes stagnant. As a result, most couples uh, either separate or divorce because it's just too hard to live with and rely on someone who doesn't have your back. Remember, the love you feel from the dollars in your bank account is nothing compared to the love of a trusting spouse. That's it. That's it, right? Uh, it's all it's all about trust. Whether it's financial uh, cheating or this or that, it's about trust. And look, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know. I don't know how your partner doesn't know. I mean, I guess if you have a gambling problem or you're buying things you shouldn't buy, I think it's I think it's kind of hard to cheat uh, uh, financially. I really do. Um, but prove me wrong. Number nine, the final one, you don't stand up for your partner. You and your partner should always be a team. So when the going gets tough, you should feel uh, safe in knowing that you have someone to rely on. But if your boyfriend won't stand up for you, it's, imp- it's possible that he isn't really interested in taking things further. The only thing you can do to encourage him to stand up for you is to be honest with him about how you feel and what you expect from him. 
To give your relationship a second chance means that you should realize that from the day you understood that, that's it, I love him or her, you made a choice. It means that your spouse um, occupied and assumed the privilege, first place of honor in your life. So let your family and friends know that when it comes to your significant other in your relationship, there's a line they cannot cross. What do you... Um, that's an interesting one. I think I think that's one where I question, and I don't I don't mean this to put Tasha on the spot, but I question like standing up for your partner because whenever we fight, Tasha plays the devil devil's advocate. Like whenever I'm like dealing with some some nonsense online, I mean like look, I'll make a video and I'll get ninety nine percent positive responses, but then someone will throw some weird shade at me. I'll I'll describe it to her, and she'll she'll ninety nine percent of the time take the side of the other person. Like, well, maybe you came across X, Y, and Z. Well, maybe, you, you know, and it's like, I think that's a common trait in relationships where your spouse or significant other takes the devil's advocate side of things, which can be really good. It can be good to, it can be good to um, sort of have somebody plays devil's advocate because it it, um, it helps sort of three-dimensionalize uh, whatever you're thinking. It's good to have someone to bounce things off of. Does that make sense? But what I question, and I don't think I've ever been in this situation is, and, and again, I'm, I don't, I don't question this specifically in my relationship, but I think what everybody questions is when you look for a partner, you wonder, is this person going to fight for me? Is this person going to go to bat for me when somebody does me wrong? And I can't even think of any scenarios in which we've had to uh, deal with that because, uh, I think we're a pretty strong team. So I think no one's going to like talk trash to her about me in a way where like they're friends with me. But of course she would stick up for me in any of those situations. I think that's pretty common. But yeah, it's about knowing like, look, I've, you know, I've had times where I'm like not getting enough sleep and I'm like, I need to get better sleep or I'm not going to be good at creativity. I'm going to get anxiety. I'm going to crash and need sugar, like all these different things. And I just like, I need you to get my back and accept that I need to go take a nap right now, <laughs> which sounds so stupid to say that like sometimes it does something trivial. It's like learning what, you need in yourself and knowing like what you need to be a better person for others. Because if you're some guy in a relationship and you're an alcoholic, you're going to be a piece of crap father unless you take care of yourself. You need to take care of making yourself the healthiest mind possible or else you're going to be drawing life force from others. So I think that's kind of what it all comes to with this guide of um, types of non-physical cheating is like when you're not the optimum version of who you're meant to be, you're going to look for it by looking, um, looking at a coworker or, or needing to get that dopamine rush from, a, from, a, you know, a conversation with someone you're not supposed to be talking to or, or this or that. So it's about becoming like a totem pole of self-confidence, a totem pole of knowing your, you've got, um, supreme trust in your partner, knowing that they've got trust in you, those things are like paramount before you can get, I mean, it's hard enough to be a mind reader and understand somebody else that it's so important to take the time to know like, I'm going to go bat. I'm going to go to bat for you. You're going to go to bat for me. Um, we don't need to worry about the X's and O's of that because we're on the same team and we're fighting the good fight. And um, one thing that um, this conversation I was mentioning earlier about Josh Borrell uh, cheating on Tasha is what you lose when you cheat is you lose that you lose this the you lose the agreement that you're on the same team pursuing the same goals uh, running in the same direction and when you lose that it's just like they say with the car with no gasoline where where do you go from there how do you rebuild it is it worth rebuilding and in most relationships i feel like you this cheating is just the cardinal sin that ends it and you might learn your lesson you might lose love and then in the future you, you, you make the decision not to let that happen again. So I don't prescribe to the, um, or to subscribe. Uh, I always don't know. I don't, um, like the idea that once a cheater, always a cheater. I really don't. Um, I think we've all got, I think it, I think it, uh, cuts short our ability to evolve. It cuts short our ability to move on. But with the conversation that Josh had about his ex, he, he came at it with so much bitterness and, uh, what was seemingly denial that I don't know if he grew, you know, and it makes you wonder, like, with his current girlfriend, if she feels like he's not getting the emotional um, fulfillment that he so demands, is he just going to cheat on her? You know what I mean? So it really makes you wonder and, and put into question someone's motives when they're so willing to spite cheat for whatever reason possible. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I saw another article called The Five Common Types of Affairs, but... um. 
I don't know if we have enough time to go through it. Well, let's bang it out. The five common types of affairs. You might hear an affair being referred to as a love affair, an emotional affair, a fling, or extramarital relations. Some people simply call it being unfaithful or cheating. Most common types of affairs include romantic, casual, emotional, cyber, and sanctioned. So let's just go over each one. Affairs may be romantic, which is also referred to as an affair of the heart. These are sometimes in the form of sexual liaisons among, among unwed or wedded parties, though it, that is not always the case. It may also be considered some form of an, or another of non-monogamy. A casual affair. This is what I think Josh had, right? He had a one-time fling. A casual affair, and again, I'm not saying either one of these is right or wrong, but some, you know, depending on what you value in life, one of these types of affairs might be easier to justify in your head than another. And I think that's what his problem was, is he was like, well, look, I only cheated once. It's like, well, what's the difference? Uh, his casual is a casual relationship, is a physical and often emotional relationship between two people who may engage in sexual relations. However, they often do so without the expectation of a more formalized romantic relationship. Emotional affair, like we just said, a platonic relationship may also be called a romantic affair as well. An emotional affair lacks sexual intimacy, but has intense or enduring emotional intimacy. Emotional affairs can uh, easily evolve into sexual affairs and be just as threatening to the primary relationship. Even when this type of an affair doesn't cross the line by becoming physical, the impact can be just as detrimental to a marriage. The intimacy involved in emotional affairs can often be deeper and more intense than int int intimacy in a sexual affair. It reminds me of the movie Knocked Up when... Um, Paul Rudd's character, his wife thought he was having an affair on her, and it turns out he was sneaking off to go to a fantasy football uh, league that he was a part of. And the emotional affair there was that he was lying about his whereabouts. The, the truth behind it was he wasn't doing it to fulfill some sort of um, intimacy with others. He just knew uh, his wife or, or thought his wife wouldn't approve of where he was going. So, so, so his cheating was sort of, um, while, while not justified at all, wasn't exactly... Uh, what it appeared to be, but his need for getting love outside of the relationship, uh, what should have happened was he should have just said to his wife, hey, I, I need to go spend time with these guys. It helps me get my guy time and X, Y, and Z, and he didn't do that. Uh, two more affairs. Cyber. An online affair or cyber affair is one that occurs online via chat, webcam, email, or text. It may be anonymous. It may be between individuals who may know basic information about one another, like their names, but I've never met, or may occur online between someone the person knows in real life. Cyber affair has emotional and, and or sexual undertones. The partners involving in a cyber affair may never meet in person, but the emotional connection and, and sensual nature of the affair constrain the committed relationships one or both participants are in. Cyber affair, I would put under a under the emotional affair, where the, something physical is not happening, but clearly you're crossing the lines. A sanctioned, the term affair might um, also describe part of an agreement within an open marriage or open relationship. With a sanctioned affair, a couple agrees upon which forms of sex are permitted with someone other than their primary partner. These may include swinging, dating, polyamory, and menage a trois. An open marriage that works for both parties has to play by the rules that were agreed upon by both parties from the start. Otherwise, this type of affair can be just as damaging as the others. Um, and then they said all types of affairs are very personal for everyone. They complicate long-term relationships and bring with them many emotions, both bad and good. Some people who are involved in an affair even find that it's disappointing and not worth the emotional toll it takes on their feelings and their marriage. Well, there you have it, folks, the different types of affairs and the different types of non-physical cheating. And I was just thinking about all this um, after talking about the Josh Burrell uh, cheating on his girlfriend, on his, on, his, on his wife, and how that was a physical affair, of course, it would be considered a casual affair, whereas a one-time thing. And um, again, not to say it's better or worse than the other types. They're all cardinal sins. Um, although I would say, I think, I think emotional affair um, should be something where you're able to catch yourself, acknowledge that you're in the wrong and move forward with. I don't think that should be something where like, all right, the relationship's over because so-and-so um, was texting someone and they crossed the line. It's like, okay, well, use that, use that, like, like they said, to realize why you did what you did. Why is so important in this conversation, in this communication with your partner? Why did I do certain things? Why did my partner? What were they not getting from me? Where, where, where does my fault lie? Where does their fault lie? And the more you can um, objectively look at all that, I think the happier you'll be because you'll be able to look at the different types of uh, issues that you've got and address them, shine light on them. And that's it for me, folks. Shine light on your darkness and you'll realize that it's not that bad and uh, we can go at it uh, in a healthier way. So it's all about unburdening from the feelings of, 
whatever it is that causes us to act the way we are. Because we, we've all been kind of um, given a level of, you know, we've all got issues is the point, And we need to figure out what they are so we can move past them and move on with life. That's kind of the goal, right, folks? Well, thank you f- so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you for watching on the YouTube. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. If you're listening to the audio version for for sure go on to iTunes and write a nice five-star review. I appreciate you guys so much. Share it with your friends and um, we'll see you next time. Bye everybody.